Spring training games are underway, a new week is upon us, and we've got baseball to talk about. Hey, guy that sounds really confused, let's get a rockin'. <laughs> Ah, yes! Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to MLB Morning Coffee, a daily MLB podcast. My name is Greg Mraz, your host, and I call us a daily MLB podcast, and sadly, I did not live up to that billing yesterday because we did not record on Sunday, and quite frankly, I'm going to say this is a a six-day-a-week MLB podcast, or at least... Or at least with your work week, you'll consider this a daily podcast Monday through Friday and then some caffeine to get you through your Saturday. Right now, until Major League Baseball season actually starts, meaning real games are being played, there's not really a whole lot to talk about on Sunday. So I think we're going to hold off on Sunday morning episodes until actual real play starts. But just want to remind you, write a review leave a rating, subscribe, email the show, greg.maraz at yahoo.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Greg D. Mraz. Just want to make sure that we get all of the housekeeping publicity items out there, want to grow the show, want you to support the show, and want your input to help improve the show. So let's get into our first segment of the day, as we do always, The Daily Grounds. I want to start today with something that I think is actually quite hilarious. So the Astros opened up their spring training games yesterday at Ballpark of the Palm Beaches, and their staff, their ballpark staff that is, was quite busy. They were busy confiscating signs that were related to the Astros stealing signs. Not physical signs, but obviously the baseball signs that we've been talking about since this podcast started. So the irony is that Astros employees were stealing signs of fans who were criticizing them stealing signs. I know that it's not like completely related. I just think it's honestly freaking hilarious that everybody is so sensitive to this at this point that they're actually taking away signs that are making fun of them. I mean, there were some funny signs that they took away. I liked a lot of them that called them the Houston Asterix. I thought that that was pretty funny and pretty creative. But at the end of the day, while in many cases this is not a laughing matter, if fans are going to have fun with this, like just let them have fun with it. I know that's a really bad look, but fans are going to do what fans are going to do. The Astros are going to have this happen to them all season long. So in all honesty, don't fight it. Just let it happen and let the hilarity ensue. Because you know what? When you've damned yourself this much, people have the right to laugh at you. And right now, everybody that makes a sign like this is laughing at the Astros. And I might just take a chuckle or two with them. In the first of a couple of contract stories, the Chicago White Sox signed Aaron Bummer to a five-year, $16 million contract extension per Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Bummer had a great season in 2019. He posted a 213 ERA over 68 innings of work. 
He was one of the better setup men last season in the American League. So a lot of people are probably looking at this and saying, why are you signing a guy that's so young to a five-year extension? Well, the same reason a lot of teams are signing guys to long-term extensions early. They want to pay them less before they get to arbitration, make sure they don't get to arbitration, and that way they hope that that figure doesn't get through the roof to the point where, A, they can't re-sign them long-term, and B, they're going to pay more money for them than they necessarily would want to if they signed them early. So it's basically you pay guys more early in order to pay them less late. It's effectively hedging your bet on how much a guy is going to make later on. Now the White Sox have got themselves a good back end of the bullpen with Aaron Bummer, Steve Ciszek, and their closer Alex Colomay. If Bummer is as good as he was last year, the White Sox have a chance to be competitive all season long. Everybody knew the improvements that they made were going to take them from probably a third-place team to possibly a high second-place team, and they may even contend for the division this year in the Central with Minnesota. White Sox also signed Leary Garcia back to a one-year $3.5 million contract. Assumingly, he will be their opening day center fielder until Luis Robert is ready to go, at which case Luis Robert, the Cuban stud who they signed to a long-term extension this offseason, will be the White Sox center fielder of the future. The White Sox have acquired veteran talent. They're developing really good in-house talent, and they have a chance to be really good for a long time to come. This year will say a lot about what the White Sox are going to do moving forward, but if they're willing to give a guy like Aaron Bummer a contract like this, all signs point to the White Sox chugging ahead with their core and knowing that they can win with the pieces they have. Looking for a bounce-back candidate to be their starting second baseman, the San Diego Padres are set to announce that Brian Dozier has agreed to a minor league contract. Dozier spent last season with the Washington Nationals, where he hit 238 over 135 games, going along with 20 home runs and 50 RBI, having an on-base of 340 and an OPS of 771. The last couple of years have been rough for Dozier. He split 2018 between the Twins and the Dodgers, where in 151 games he had 215 with 21 homers and 72 RBI. He was a midseason acquisition by the Dodgers that everybody in L.A. thought was going to help make the difference to put them over the top. They still got to the World Series, but he didn't play a part in it. His first six years with the Minnesota Twins, he had some stellar seasons, highlighted by his 2016 campaign where he had 42 homers, drove in 99 runs, he had 268. Dozier's a guy that's not going to hit for a high average. His highest average ever in a full major league season was 271. That was back in 2017, but he's going to hit for power. The Padres have an outside chance, in my opinion, of contending for the NL West this season. They've got a lot of young talent that's going to be coming up through the system, but signing a guy like Dozier is proof that they want to have one veteran that they hope can help complement the rest of their young pieces that may make the difference between a playoff appearance or not. They've already invested the money in guys like Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer, so for San Diego, this is a very low-risk signing, and you hope that a guy like Dozer, who has proven that he can hit more than 20 homers in a year multiple times, he has done it actually six times, that he'll provide a much-needed piece to a lineup that is going to hopefully be on the up-and-up in 2020. This is one of my favorite stories so far in the short history of this podcast. Do you know who Mason Saunders is? Probably not. It's a pretty generic name. 
Well, Mason Saunders is somebody that's been competing in frequent rodeo events over the course of the last few years and has actually been pretty successful, winning over $25,000 in an event back in December. Why do you ask that we're talking about a rodeo guy named Mason Saunders? Well, Mason Saunders is not this guy's real name. You might better know him as Madison Bumgarner. Yes, Madison Bumgarner, the newly acquired Diamondbacks left-handed starting pitcher, admitted to The Athletic yesterday that he has competed in rodeo events under a pseudonym for the past five seasons. He calls it a hobby of his, and he likes to do it, but he wanted to keep a low profile, which back in his days with the Giants was extremely important after he injured himself on a dirt bike before a series against the Colorado Rockies. I love Madison Bumgarner. I think there need to be more people like him in the game. The fact that he has to do this under a pseudonym named Mason Saunders. Like, if you go to a rodeo event and you look at Madison Bumgarner with his grizzly beard and his long flowing hair and that distinctive North Carolina accent, like, how do you not know that this guy is Madison Bumgarner? Maybe a lot of people in the rodeo community don't watch baseball, don't follow baseball, wouldn't have any idea who it was. Or maybe some rodeo guy is going to end up sitting down one night, turn on the TV, watch a Diamondbacks game and say, hey, that's Mason Saunders. What the heck is he doing pitching in Major League Baseball? The whole fact of the matter is so funny that it's only something that you could see from a guy like Mad Bum who wants to pitch, wants to compete, but also loves the simple things in life too, such as getting bucked off of a bull in eight seconds, which apparently is really good if you're bull riding or doing a rodeo or what have you. This is a baseball podcast, not a rodeo podcast. So if I get off on the specifics, please forgive me. I just think the whole thing is pretty darn funny. Want to know how the fans feel about this sign-stealing scandal? Mike Fires made his first start of the spring for the A's in Mesa on Sunday. And guess what? After his name was announced, he received a roar of applause from A's and Giants fans alike. They were hosting the Giants at Hohokam Park in Mesa, Arizona. That's all you need to know. David Ortiz can say snitch, blah, 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 and the Astros can say, well, we're sorry, but we're not really sorry, blah, 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 and fans can get upset, blah, 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 but you know what? The way that the A's fans responded to Mike Fires today and baseball fans in general, fans are pissed about this. And if anybody in the Astros organization thinks that fans are sympathetic toward them, hey, hey, buddy. Buddy. That's right, hey, buddy. Buddy. You got another thing coming, my friends. This is a time where people are going to be on you. And I know we talked about them actually stealing the Astros fans, quote-unquote, signs. But if this is any indication, there is going to be a lot of chiding from fans against the Astros this season. Because people are not happy and they are going to let you hear about it. That is the Daily Grounds for Monday, February 24th. We hope that you did enjoy it. We always enjoy doing it for you. 
This is going to be one of the more interesting topics this year because there have been a couple of stories that we've alluded to on a couple of daily grounds that honestly wanted to make me talk about this, and that is how you, the fan, consume your baseball. This is how you consume your baseball through media. If you're a season ticket holder and you go to every game, that's obviously the best way to consume baseball. But there are a couple of stories that popped up this offseason, and in particular one that was very recent in the last few days with both the Oakland A's and the Toronto Blue Jays that made me want to talk about this because I think baseball has put itself in a position where it is not giving the majority of their fans the access that they want. Or rather, there are other sports that have a bigger profile, such as football and basketball, that give their fans easier access to their game than baseball fans do. So I want to start off first with the Oakland A's. And the reason why is that we are here in the Bay Area. That's where this podcast originates from. And the Oakland A's this past week made a historic announcement one that to me was not a surprise just because I live in the market and I've understood how these negotiations have gone for years and that the A's would be streaming only this year. Now, what does that mean? That means that their radio broadcasts are going to be on TuneIn. TuneIn is a radio streaming app. If you download TuneIn, you can literally search almost any commercial radio station along with a lot of different podcasts or sports networks. So if you are listening to your alma mater, let's say, just for the sake of argument, you went to Purdue, you could stream Larry Clisby on the Purdue Sports Network through TuneIn. You don't have to live anywhere near West Lafayette or anywhere in Indiana. That stream is on TuneIn. So out here in California or in Hawaii or in Russia or wherever you might happen to be, you can listen to anything that's on TuneIn. It's the internet. Now, the A's have decided that they're strictly going to be on TuneIn this year through their service that they started last year called A's Cast 24-7. Now, the A's have gone a full year with doing streaming online, but they also had a radio station last year, KTRB 860 here in the Bay Area, and they were also on KHTK 1140 up in Sacramento. So if you didn't want to stream the game, you could still listen to it on the radio waves. Now, the A's were on 95.7 the game KGMZ from 2012 up until 2018. They were on that same frequency in 2011, back when it was a country station, 95.7 The Wolf. The only reason I remember this, again, I grew up here. Baseball on the radio is timeless. I was a radio play-by-play broadcaster for five years. I worked for four different teams, and three of the four years that I was in the game, I was on radio. Two of the years, I wasn't. What were the two years that I had the least amount of listeners? You guessed it, the years where I was online. Why? Because radio is convenient. Radio is easy. Radio is... Not a lot of effort. If you know that you're going to be on a certain frequency, a fan is going to turn to that frequency. They're driving around in their car, and they're going to know that, hey, A's baseball is on 95.7 FM. They have that built in their preset, and if they're driving from San Jose up to Oakland, which is about 45 minutes with no traffic, you say, hey, I want to listen to the A's game. You've got that pre-programmed into your 
stereo and you hit that and your baseball game is playing on the radio. Ken Korak and Vince Catronio are blasting through your speakers. Well, the A's, not seeing much value in radio, decided they didn't want to be on commercial radio anymore. And for a lot of people, people of my generation, that's not a big problem. Hey, if I'm on that same drive, I can plug in my smartphone, I can open up the TuneIn app, and I can go to the A's Cast 24-7 channel. I can hit that, and all of a sudden, I can start streaming the A's. No problem, right? Well, I think for a lot of people that is a problem, and here's why. Do you have a crappy cell phone provider? For many years, I did. AT&T. Yes, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get a sponsorship from AT&T for this, but guess what? Don't care. Anywho, I would lose AT&T's signal a lot. So, if I'm streaming the A's, I'm going to lose that signal. When you're on a radio station, if you know how far that frequency goes, then you're going to be able to listen to that uninterrupted. And if it's part of a radio network, you've got affiliates. If I'm driving out of the area, if I'm going to the East Bay and down through the Central Valley, I can pick up an A's affiliate in Modesto, Stockton, Turlock. If I'm going north up to Sacramento, I can get the A's on the radio. If I hit a dead spot, I'm losing signal. Now, the other problem that comes with this is generational. I made mention of it a few minutes ago. My generation, not a problem. If you're a septuagenarian or an octogenarian and you don't have a smartphone, how are you going to listen to your team? You know baseball on the radio. You don't want to have to make the effort to put a smartphone into a speaker in your car and figure out all the steps necessary to open up TuneIn, open up the stream, Make sure that your data's on, blah, 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 and have to do that in order to stream the A's. It's not right. You should just be able to put on a radio station, and that's it. You've got it. It's set, and you can listen to your baseball uninterrupted. Now, why have the A's decided to do this? They're advertising it as innovation. What I see it as is not wanting to pay a radio station Because you're not seeing a return on an investment. Now, the biggest thing in this whole deal that bothered me to no end, really, Bruce Jenkins, he is the dean of Bay Area sports journalism, writes an article about this, writes a column saying how it is a step backwards for the A's in their progress to get a new ballpark and establish themselves as one of the premier franchises in the East Bay. Well, really now, the only franchise in the East Bay, but establish their footprint as Oakland's team, as the East Bay's team, as somebody that is here to stay and here to stay forever. If you've ever been to the Oakland Coliseum, I'm just going to hold my words on that because I love the Coliseum, but I grew up going to games at the Coliseum. There are a lot of people that have gone there, played there, that hate it. Because it's old, it feels more like a football stadium than a baseball stadium. The sewage backs up. It's just terrible for a lot of people. People who grew up going to games there, they have absolutely no problem with it. They absolutely love it. I love it. I grew up going to A's games. 
So I have absolutely no problem with the Coliseum and all of its quirks. But a lot of people, they don't. Anyways, getting back off of that bird walk and back to what I was talking about, Bruce Jenkins wanted to make an argument that it is a bad image for the A's growing brand to do this. So, right to free speech, right to the press, you write what you want. I have a tendency to agree with Bruce Jenkins here. I think every team should be on radio. So what does the president of the A's, Dave Cavill, do? He quote tweets Jenkins' article and says, okay, Boomer. Now, say what you want about how that phrase has come into the public light in the last year, but that was clearly meant as being derogatory. And whether Cavill wants to admit it or not, he doesn't see the value in actually being on the radio and decided to insult one of the Bay Area's legendary sports journalists because he was making a valid point that the A's didn't do. So, how is the A's not being on radio going to affect their fan base? In my opinion, we'll have to see after a year. How are these 65-plus-year-olds that don't use a smartphone and just want to listen to the radio going to handle it? They might be turned off by it. They might say, why do I want to listen to the A's? They don't care about me. They don't care about how I want to consume my baseball. I can't go to a game and listen to the game at the same time because the internet stream is going to have it delayed by at least five seconds, so I want to know what happens before it actually happens. Radio waves travel faster than an internet signal. Look at the spectrum of speed of sound waves. It's the fastest there is. I think the A's in the long term are going to regret this decision, but based on how Dave Cavill has come out with it, they are going to ride the lightning on this decision, and, well, they might pay for it, and they may turn off fans. Which gets me to my next topic, which is team-owned television networks. Specifically, the Marquee Network, which is the Chicago Cubs' new TV network that just launched back on Saturday. So the Cubs decided that they were going to start their own TV network and take themselves off of WGN, which they had been on since the 1960s. Cubs baseball and WGN made generations of Cubs fans with Jack Brickhouse and eventually Harry Carey and then Chip Carey and now Len Casper. Cubs baseball and WGN is like bread and butter. They go together as well as anything. But Tom Ricketts wanted to make more money. He had some games on WGN, some games on national TV, some games on NBC Sports Chicago. Well, he wanted to simplify it all and get all of his games in one place where he could bank all the profits because it's his operation. Enter the Marquee Network, a Chicago Cubs-specific television operation. Now, you might be thinking, okay, this is great. This is awesome. The Cubs are going to do this themselves. The Yankees and the Yes Network somewhat set the blueprint for how to do this. But the Cubs didn't set it out that well. They didn't have themselves locked in with certain amounts of providers. Fans aren't sure whether or not their provider is going to give them access to Cubs baseball. And for those that did, it's going to be an additional $5 a month to watch Cubs games. 
Now, during the season, that might not seem that much, but two points. Number one, is that going to be worth paying for in the offseason when there's no live baseball? Absolutely not. That's an additional $30 that you're going to get for basically nothing. And over time, that might add up. And two, you're already paying X amount of money for a cable package. Why do you want to pay $5 a month more for one channel? Which seems a little bit ridiculous. There's also the point to be made that the Cubs want you to make the effort to make sure that you have the marquee network instead of going to all the providers and making sure that all of their subscribers in the Chicagoland area have access to this stuff. To me, this is typical Tom Ricketts BS because that guy is just all about making money hand over fist instead of actually wanting to do what's best for the fans. Remember Cubs convention when he's talking about the marquee network and fans are booing him? They're not booing the marquee network, they're booing you, Tom Ricketts, because all you care about is making the next penny that can come into your effing pocket. It's ridiculous. If you make money from this stuff, then you better use it to sign Chris Bryant and sign Javier Baez and lock up your franchise pieces for the long term. In any event, the Cubs have not made it easy for fans to access Marquee Network. So, what is that going to do to Cubs fans? I want to come home and watch a Cubs game, and I have to make an extra effort too. That doesn't seem right. If you've got expanded basic cable in the Chicagoland area, you have WGN and NBC Sports Chicago, which is where the Cubs games have been forever and ever and ever. Now, you have to make an extra effort to watch your Cubs games. Wait a minute. Isn't the team supposed to make it easier for the fan so the fan wants to spend more money, not the fan having a more difficult time to do it. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh, and by the way, Comcast, which is the major cable provider in the Chicagoland area, hasn't even landed Marquee Network yet. They're not even on Comcast. Again, another strike against baseball for making things more about profit and less about fan accessibility. The final topic, blackouts on streaming services. We talked about it on Saturday morning's episode about Canada subscribers to MLB TV not being able to stream Blue Jays games. If you buy an MLB TV subscription, aren't you supposed to get all of the games? Why are you putting in blackouts? Because you want fans to subscribe to cable networks. So you're paying $120 a year for MLB TV, but if you want to watch your team locally, you have to pay whatever cost it might be for that channel on your cable. I don't have cable. There are a lot of people around nowadays that don't have cable. They just want to do it through streaming. Hey, guess what? You got an HDMI cable, you got a streaming service, you hook one cable to your computer, the back end of the cable under the TV, you're watching the game just like you would be if you had cable. It's easier. It's cheaper. Take a guy like me. I don't watch a whole lot of anything else. I watch sports. 
I watch baseball. I watch basketball. On the weekends during football season, I watch football. I'll watch hockey mostly during the playoffs. But that's what I want to watch. I don't want to watch Bravo or A&E or Lifetime. That's why I don't subscribe to cable. I don't want to pay for channels that I don't use. That's why for the first time ever last year, I bought MLB TV. Although I was living in Idaho. And the only games that would get blacked out for me were the Colorado Rockies. And that wasn't a big issue because I'm not a Rockies fan. But I was living in Idaho Falls, Idaho. What cable provider is going to have Rockies games in Idaho Falls, Idaho? Not many. In fact, very few. So if I want to watch a Rockies game and I live in southeastern Idaho, I'm screwed. Because if I pay for a streaming service, I'm still not going to get it. And that to me is ridiculous. Why are you charging people for a service that they can't get the full access to the service? It makes no sense. Oh, and by the way, it's based on what your billing zip code is. So let's say I go on a trip to New York and I'm a Rockies fan. Let's just keep with the Rockies example. I still can't watch Rockies games because my computer's ID, the account, is based in Idaho, which is in that blackout area. Oh, my God, it's so frustrating. And if I were a Blue Jays fan, I would be so frustrated. I can't get any of my games on here. Like, oh, my God, this is not the way it should be. So in closing for this segment, I just want to plore MLB to, I don't know, make things about not just making money. Make it accessible. You want to grow the game, not shrink it. You are limiting access to fans. You're taking games off a radio like the A's are, which is going to turn off an older generation of fans that listens to games on the actual radio. You're going to turn off fans like Cubs fans who are going to have to make an extra effort to make sure that their games are actually on their provider and may force them to switch providers if they can't get the dang marquee network on their own provider. A fan should not have to switch their TV provider because of a team making their own TV network. Make things accessible. Pay up the money. You make enough. And finally, with MLB TV, make every team accessible. You're charging fans 120 bucks a year. If you're getting 30 million fans to subscribe to that service, you are making $300 million. It is that simple. That is a lot of money, and that is money you would gladly rather have than not have at all. And with that, we're done here on MLB Morning Coffee. Please leave a rating, leave a review. I'm really passionate about this episode because I think in order to grow the game of baseball, you need to have it accessible for every single fan that wants to be a part of this great game. And MLB has done itself no favors. Have a great rest of your day, everybody, and we'll catch you in the AM.